Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. If you're looking for a dull, feel-good religion, or clap your hands, sit around the campfire kumbaya, you've come to the wrong place. We are dealing with toxic levels of authentic masculinity. I would say good luck, but luck is for pagans. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. My name is Adam Minahan. Sitting here with David Niles. E. Juan Posada, the producer. The Juan Posada. And we have Jim Spencer here with us today. The the Jim Spencer. Yes. Jim, it's great to have you here. Jim He's, goes by many things, as we call him different things. He continues to go by them. It's pretty impressive, really. It's I guess. Good, it's if a ev- good sport. If everybody would just like take a minute and just say a quick prayer for us, this is uh, going to be a very interesting episode, I think, because... You don't, or, even, you don't even know that. Or it could be... You don't even know it that. It could actually not even be interesting at all. Uh, it's Dave's turn, and he decided to say, I don't know what we're going to talk about today. So let the Holy Spirit work, man. We are really letting the Holy Spirit r- leaving room for the Holy Spirit. I have Spirit. like two things I want to ask you, and then like and then beyond we- <laughs> that, we'll see. Okay, all right. This could be the best episode of our whole lives, or it could bomb. It could. So it's happened before, I think. It's exciting <laughs> and nervous. All right, what are we drinking tonight? Today, we are drinking another Wyoming whiskey. Uh, we've had in the past. They're Wyoming whiskey. Mm-hmm. They're regular, if you will. Um, and then most recently we had their uh, old reserve. Um, Wasn't it barrel proof? No. Oh. It was not. Oh, okay. Um, it's like their reserve. I forget. Like Okay. The, whatever. Their special one. Oh, yeah, because it was double casked. Like- no, this one is double cask. Oh, we're drinking the double cask today. Okay. This one's 50%. It's 100 proof. Okay. Um, and it says it's... Uh, it's, it's the second cask is sherry. Okay, so it's... And I know you like sherry casks. I do. Yeah. I do, yeah. So anyway, we're okay. going to try it. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. So the uh, the color looks like a, you know, Oloroso sherry yeah. aged whiskey, bourbon. Typically, I, we've said on the show before, but if you're just tuning in, if you're a new listener... And you're looking to maybe getting to the whiskey game. Typically, I always I advise people to to go with the uh, Oloroso cask or or double cask for for this instance um, to start off with whiskey because typically it's a little sweeter. It didn't have as much of a bite. It's not as aggressive. It's it it's a nice palatable whiskey. So it, there's not an age statement on here, but it does say. That the first five years are all just in the regular oak barrel. Okay. Um, so it's at least a five. It's at least five years old, and then because it's not going to be in the sherry cask for too long. I don't. I mean, could just be a month, right? Is that your understanding? Typically, of sherry, when I think they, when it's they more, do a I think sherry it's longer, cask, I think it's longer than that. Is but it? Yes. Okay. But either way, so it's that's the note, a, that's uh, the only age statement on the nose. It's 
And once again, I have not found this in Oklahoma. I, I bought this actually when we were in Wyoming. Um, so I don't, I don't know what its distribution is like. On the nose, you get ra- I get raisin, I get uh, hay, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of. You can smell that it's the oloroso, and, 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 can, and can, it's strong. Yes, strong smell. Smell the higher alcohol. Ooh, that has a like a a rich. Ri- Did you say raisins on the nose? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's got a really rich taste to it, kind of right up front. Well, at the very end, you get almost like a chocolate. Uh huh. That is delicious. That is really good. It's very interesting. It doesn't taste like your typical sherry cask. It has the it's sweetness a, that you you know you. It get has a more of a sherry. bite though. It has uh, a little bit more of a bite to it. It has a little bit more the peppery kick. Uh, but at the very end, as it was lingering, you you almost get like this chocolate taste, uh-huh. or at least I did. Yeah, I think that's delicious. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, I haven't been disappointed with any Wyoming whiskeys, to be honest with you. All the ones that we've had, which I guess there's only just, three. Just three, yeah. But, but uh, their staple one, I've bought as many as I can find, basically, because yeah, I do too. it's, it's, it's cheap, so good. It's cheap. How much and, is this one? And really good. I don't remember. It was, uh, I think, a, maybe high 50s. Okay. Um, I can't remember, because I bought this one and, and the other one at the same time. One of them was 65, but I think the reserve was... The more expensive one, and mm-hmm. so I think this one was maybe fifty-five, something in, somewhere in there. Fifty-five, fifty-five, shiggity schwad. Nice, fifty-five. It's good. Hey, I'm pumped about tomorrow. Very good. You should tell me what we're doing tomorrow. Tomorrow is the annual wiffle ball tournament. Everybody, you, please pray for Adam and I's team. Wiffle while you work. Uh, that we would reign victorious. That God would. We've we've give gotten us close. The might of His arm. We've gotten close uh, several times. Of. Yeah, so we've we've always competed very well. Right. Uh, so we have a friend, Chris Hanish, who hosts a Labor Day wiffle ball tournament every I mean, year. It is like one of the things in the year I look forward to the most. And it's one of those Catholic culture events of the year, right. I think, in Tulsa, where tons of Catholic families all gather. He turns his, his backyard is, is a whole wiffle ball stadium, if you will. I mean, uh, it's, it's that way all year round. I mean, he has a wiffle ball right. field in his backyard. In his backyard. He has the scoreboard, bleachers, sound system, PA system. Uh, it's, it's all chalked. It's all manicured. He it's has rather incredible. Hot, hot dogs, <laughs> snow cones. He has... I mean, he has. It's an eight eight team tournament, um, double elimination. Five five person five teams. five person teams. Is it five? Yeah, yeah, five person teams. Uh, it's a, and it's just a lot of fun. It's awesome because it has you have tons of kids running around all day long. It's just so it is awesome because you're there, you're competing, but uh, it's all very friendly yet still competitive. You know, very you're competitive. there to win. You know, right. everybody's there to win. Um, but and you're in front of every, I mean, you have this audience huge, the whole just time. like a bunch of big families the whole time. Right. And priests are there swinging wiffle ball bats. Yeah. You know, like there was, you know, probably like a, a priest in a cassock trying to hit a home run. Yeah. Like, what else do you want on on Labor Day? What are like, let me ask you this? What are you doing on Labor Day? That's better than you're, that. You're the pitcher of our team, typically. I will. I will. I'm sure pitch some. I, I hit a home run last year. Nice. So yeah. Which is hard to do with a wiffle, wiffle ball. ball. It is not easy to do. Yeah. But it's just so much fun. To, like it's just a, 
a joyous day. Yeah, and you know the fence is higher this year. Oh, he did. He made it higher. Mm-hmm. Well, the people who live next door uh, <laughs> have a celebrity staying in their house, and so they oh. ha- part of that was where they, they wanted the the celebrity wanted a higher fence. I see, or a completed fence or something. I see. Okay. I'm pumped about it though. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Another reason why, and I, I say this on Twitter whenever you know I, I tweet a, things, and when I do, a lot of times it's highlighting the things of this uh, of Tulsa, like why why to be moving to Tulsa. How only if you're Catholic. Only if you're Catholic. How how Tulsa and Eastern Oklahoma is the place to be for Catholic families. I mean, it's just I don't want to be. Is. I don't want to seem that way. If you're open to becoming Catholic, you can move here. Sure. But, but if you're Catholic, you should totally move here. Yeah. I mean, like, if you're leaving California, like, probably a lot of you are, and who can blame you, then, like, check Tul- check out Tulsa. You know, it's, we have it going on. Dude, the farms, uh, Farmstead, Brandon Sheard from Farmstead Meatsmith, he's he he's here. I know. He's in uh, Sand I Springs. I know. He moved already? He Well, he's moving. Yeah, he's bought a home. Mm-hmm. Which it's is incredible. Awesome. He had it narrowed down to, like, here... And Idaho, I or think. yeah, or Wyoming, one of the yeah, somewhere around in there. Because uh, they have a big fraternity parish there in Idaho. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, how's the bishop? Is he friendly? And he's like, well, I don't know how good the relationship is between their bishop and the fraternity parish. Is like, well, we have a sweet bishop. Bishop Connerla is maybe uh, factor that in. He's like, you know what? That's a good point. So I don't want to say that, that I was the one who swayed his that that you know swayed his decision, but. You draw your own conclusions. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm really excited about that. We need to get him on the show again. Yeah, well, we'll be able to. I mean, he's just like now that he's just like here in town. Yeah, it'll be it'll be Sand easy. Springs. People don't know it's a suburb. Yeah, of Tulsa. It's one of the burbs. Yeah, so that, that's exciting. My dad grew up in Sand Springs. He's the Sandite King. He's a Sandite. Yeah, that's their their the Sandite. What a terrible mascot. Sandflea. That's it's, what a Sandite is. Yeah. It's a mite. It's a little bitty bug that lives in the sand. It's like, hey, yeah. guys, what should we name us our school after? I don't know. How about those terrible mites? that Either eagles or sandites. Right. I don't know. <laughs> what would You know what I'm terrified of? Those, those little bugs in the sand? You guys ever seen those? Chilling. They're chilling. So anyway, so that's, that's exciting. We have another uh, project that we're working on. We're writing a book. Yes. With our wives, yes, uh, we've gone through one round of edits, mm-hmm. and hopefully kind of half a round, half a round, I guess. My bad. <laughs> Chalk that one up on me. Yeah. <laughs> but so that'll be exciting. We're gonna we're gonna have a book on the domestic church, uh, writing it with our wives through. Um, uh, our publisher is. I just went blank. Oh. Um, I'm sorry. It's late. If you hadn't asked me, I could have told you, like, immediately. Ignatius. No. Uh, no, the same guy who's doing, um, the, you're doing the Bible in a Year podcast. Same. Ascension Press. Ascension, thank you. Golly. Also want to give a shout out to my goddaughter, Bella, who received her first communion today. You know what? She had a confession the other day, and I said, listen, tonight when you go home, you pray for me. And she was like, I will. Okay. I'm, you're right. Me. You're being a little <laughs> intense, but I, I guess I will. You remember me forever. <laughs> you remember me forever. We'll be right back.
I want to give a big shout out to Jonathan Conrad over at the Catholic Rural Worker. Jonathan started his ministry with one sole purpose in mind, and that was get quality crafted rosaries into Catholics' hands. He's been doing it now so well that he has opened up a storefront. He has a brick-and-mortar store. If you go to catholicwoodworker.com, you can check out the whole facility. We're really proud of you, Jonathan. I remember when you first started this whole thing. Uh, we're thankful for your friendship. We're thankful for your uh, willingness to support the Catholic Man Show. If you guys go to catholicwoodworker.com, use the program, promo code TCMS. You get 10% off all of your purchases. Uh, we just want to thank you, Jonathan, for your... Uh, love of our mother and the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all the good work you're doing to grow his kingdom. Cheers. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. You know what? We haven't given out the warning in a while, so if you are sensing short-term paralysis, overload, any kind. This is why this is Captain Man Show. We're dealing with very high levels of to- of man, not toxic masculinity. Toxic levels of authentic masculinity. Show could be harmful to your health if you or anyone in the listen if the in the listening radius. You get, man, I'm rusty. Is susceptible to high levels of manliness. Okay. Um, okay. I, I wanna, we are moving. I want to tell another story about my goddaughter Bella. Okay. Can Which, I can I just tell Father Cosgrove that there are no pictures that we know of in the book. And so he may not have to buy it. Oh. Cuz he, he told me if easy there's no for, easy if there's no pictures in the book he's not buying it. Maybe we should have our our our, our pictures in it. That could be good. <laughs> I'd like that. <laughs> Maybe like several times. <laughs> Every couple pages. Here's David Niles. Here's David Niles a bit bigger. <laughs> um but she went. She had her first confession. Yes, you know. I did know this. And they were. She was. She called my mom on her way home uh, from her first confession, and she said, "When I walked out, it felt like I had little rocks on my heart, and they just got rolled away." <laughs> and it was just so funny She's to like, hear her tell that story. I was dead in this tomb. And, and the, then it's like, I took a breath for the first time. <laughs> it's the, just so funny to hear a little seven-year-old, you know, it's like, Bella, like, you don't even know, yeah, okay? That is, you don't even know what sin feels like. <laughs> it is uh, the worst. That was one of the things, our, our, our buddy uh, Derek and Whitney, Whitney's about to have their baby, mm-hmm. and we were talking to them via text message, I guess, uh, texting them, and she said, hey, is there something that you want? me to offer up for the contractions mm-hmm. you know and i was like yes i said uh, to guard our children against their first mortal sin mm-hmm. um and so that's what we that's what we picked nice but that's such a great thing to to pray as for as a dad and as you know as a mom as, as parents mm-hmm. that i think that i probably wouldn't have thought about that and i don't know where we heard that i don't know i'm not sure where we heard that well but. it's it's in the saint bridget prayers that's probably the, oh, best, that's okay. the first place that I like encountered that as a, like an obvious idea is that that you offer up the uh, agony in the garden uh, protection against the first mortal sin. No, no, no. It's the uh, scourging at the pillar. Okay. Yeah. I just think that's a great idea as a dad, and if you have young kids, 
or grandkids. It is something to pray for. It is definitely something Protection you should pray against for. against the first mortal sin. Because if you can keep doing that, if you can keep pushing it off, yeah. the longer you go, right. you know, like... Grace builds on nature. Yeah. Maybe you could push it off indefinitely. Maybe, yeah. So the man gear today is the sawhorse. Sawhorses. Okay. I want to get, like, uh, do you have any opinions on sawhorses? Shockingly, I do. Yeah. Uh, the first question is, can you have too many sawhorses? Yes. I mean, you could. I mean, you, I suppose. But y- you can't, I mean, like, if you have five, there is still conceivably a situation where you might go, dang it, I wish I had one more sawhorse, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I only have two, and I will tell you, that is not enough. I have four. I have not gone to a point where I thought I needed more, but you know, I just broke down my whole big workbench in right. my garage. Yeah, which so you mean I didn't really need the sawhorses that, that at was that time. Huge, you right. built a huge. Got yeah. a little, you got a little rambunctious, I think, when you were building the uh, the I work. Was very zealous. Y- you were definitely zealous. Yes, uh, for the like woodworking. Mm-hmm. Mm. But uh, you know, as a father of four. I, I have less and less time to... Is your car in the garage right now? It I is. I bet it is. It is. Where's it? Where's your wife's car? It's out, outside. It's in the, it's in the it driveway. It doesn't fit yet. It doesn't fit. There's not enough room yet. Yeah, I haven't got around to it, okay? Mine fits, and so... Like, Mine's a smaller car. I'm just less motivated at this point. Listen. I'm just giving you a hard time. Yes. You're uh, welcome. So there's a couple things that I would say uh, to think about with sawhorses. The first thing is storage. How are you storing them? Yeah. Um, I have... I. I have several different kinds. One of the kinds that I have is that they're they're plastic, but they fold up, they collapse basically into the legs collapse into the in, into it. So I mean, it just takes less space. Less space. I, I, that is absolutely the way to go. No, no, no. I'm sorry. The plastic ones do not take. They don't. They okay. They're the ones that just it's fold the aluminum. Like, a, like a lawn chair. Right. They fold in half. In half. You know. But the the one the other ones that I have the aluminum ones. Yeah. Are they the aluminum? aluminum ones? Yeah. When I think about the ones where the legs fold up like down into the into the actual sawhorse, those are aluminum and they're heavy. But they're a lot. Those are the way to go because I have the best. Pla- I have plastic ones. I got them for free, so you know, like you can't really complain too much. But um, I just really hate them. I just do. Uh, oh, I like mine. My plastic ones. When they're you lightweight. O- when you open them. They're nice. Uh, there's like this connecting, these connecting pieces between the legs that you that are always like coming unclipped from it, you know? Oh. And so like every time I open them, I have to like re-interlock these clips that go, that kind of alternate which direction they connect. Mm-hmm. And uh, then if you're leaning over when you open it, the sawhorse piece itself, like at the top, comes together, and I have just like pinched, like my my chest before, mm. and it, that really hurts. Um, once once you, I get them open, and you know, you're using them, they work just fine, right? They just and, and I don't know because I got them for free. I don't know what the price difference is between an aluminum sawhorse and uh, the other ones, between these plastic ones. Mm-hmm. But man, I wish a I wish I had more. Mm-hmm regardless of what kind i had but also the fact that they don't collapse down smaller is really kind of a nuisance remember when uh we lived together and Haley and i got married and so we all three were living in the same house and then Haley got pregnant yeah and then uh i built sawhorses uh, sawhorses uh yeah. at the at the house yeah okay so i built those they do not. They did not collapse or anything like that. They were just there. Wooden. They were wooden. Uh, 
And they worked really well because they were very sturdy, very hard to put away. Uh-huh. Uh, but my mother-in-law uh, sawed right through them <laughs> on accident. In their wood. In their wood. So, so you, uh, can, you can do that. Yeah, so it, it just, uh, it was actually pretty comical because I made them for, you know, each child I try to make something for them, right, before yeah. they get, before they're born. So I made these saw horses to prepare uh, getting this crib ready to go for for Luke. And like I was so proud of these saw horses, right? So my mother-in-law comes into town because we're, we're getting ready for the baby. Uh, she's helping me. And like I had just got done kind of like, you know, puffing my chest out, talking about how I made these. So look at look at these, they're all level. Like I was it was very it was perfect, you know, like it's all right angles, like everything looked good. Yeah, you know. Let me use them, and and she was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And so she was using them, and then just th- that circular saw just went right through it, and it just went split, you know, and, just, <laughs> and fell down. And she felt absolutely terrible, and like it was one of those things, like, dang it, I spent like three weeks on these things. But you weren't. Yeah, I couldn't be mad. It's like not that she, she wanted to do accident, it. It was just right. an accident. She felt terrible about it, and I was like, "Oh, it's okay. It's okay." But I was, I was a little panicky inside because, like, heart, a little heartbroken about yeah. it. Yeah. So I think that you need at least four saw horses because uh, there's times. This just happened to me recently. I'm building a, a bookshelf. The second wife. one. The second one. Yeah. So I got a, a bookshelf for my wife last year on her birthday, which was October. You built which, one. Well, no, no. I, I said, hey, for your birthday, I'm giving you bookshelves to match these other ones. Because I had already previously made a really nice bookshelf. You know, written, I really like the way it came out. And so I said last year on October 25th, 2020, I said, hey, for your birthday, I'm going to get you new bookshelves. I haven't made them yet, but that's, 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 that's what, your present. Uh-huh. And I decided, like, I guess I should actually build those before her next birthday gets here <laughs> and like it's the final countdown yeah i know <laughs> so anyway i'm building bookshelves and so like there's just times when you need to cut a long board you know and so if you just have two well where how do you position you know you got to position them so oh when you make the cut one side's gonna fall mm-hmm. you know and so you really need four so you can stabilize both sides of the cut you know what i mean and if you don't, what you have to do is just end up making the cut low, like on the ground, you know, mm-hmm. maybe just propping it up with two by fours. That works. But it's just like if you're doing a big project where you're doing a lot of cuts, it's just hard to make all those cuts down on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so much easier. I feel like you can do a better job when you can get the project higher, you know, up on the sawhorses. Um, and maybe you have a, a big workbench like you had where that really takes care of i mean that really is well a if nice you have thing. four if you have four saw horses you put plywood on top of those and all right. of a sudden you have a new whatever dude plywood is like a thousand dollars now i know it's ridiculous it is but but that's but what you just said that's what i did when i was redoing the siding on my house is i just took a piece of sheet of plywood and put it and so that created like a big workspace mm-hmm. um that four, feet, always, four feet by that, eight feet that you, you could know? always break down sure you could just take it down right right um, and then I got a, like an aluminum table, like a camping table and set it way behind me. Cause those, I mean, those siding pieces were really big, like 15 feet long. I think, you know, yeah. they were very long, but anyway, the, uh, a sawhorse, it just, it just, sometimes you need one. Sometimes you need four. Yeah. Or six. So 
it's uh, really worth it to get them. And once again, if you can get some with the legs collapsed down, it just makes it so much easier to store. The ones I have are Cobalt. They're Cobalt uh, is the brand saw horses that just completely come down. And the legs are adjustable, right? So the height mm, uh, of the saw horses nice. uh, can be adjusted, which is very nice if you have specific heights that you're wanting to cut or you know you want to keep everything level right you know and it's like you keep it all in the same uh, i could have used that when i was using the table saw for these bookshelves i really needed something that was exactly the same height as the table saw right and i had to kind of rig it's it nice up. yeah it's nice so all right well hey how, how does it feel to be older by the way it feels, it feels good sort of it doesn't i lied you're 35 I'm, now i'm sorry feels terrible. welcome welcome to the club i hate it we'll be right back Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I want to give a shout out to my nephew, Danny Klein. Turned six years old this weekend. Big six. Six is a great age. I feel like it is. I feel like it's a good age. When I was little, I always liked it when I turned an even number. Mm -hmm. Kind of an OCD thing, I think. I did not like odd numbers being odd numbers you had to wait a whole because they year. weren't they're not balanced there's no symmetry there yeah i hated it that makes sense i remember turning 11 going like dang it <laughs> a whole year <laughs> this is gonna drive me crazy <laughs> i really do remember that it's really funny now i'm 35 we are still in the octave of my birthday you were right about that thank you for pointing that out yes it is an octave we can celebrate it for for eight days eight days nice so we're still there we're still till thursday thursday will be the uh the, the pinnacle of the octave, I suppose. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So we're just going to keep that going. I'm, I still have cake at home. Still eating it. Yeah. Good. For Loving breakfast. It. Sure. Yeah. Why not? What are we going to talk about today? You know, I don't know. We're just going to see uh, kind of what comes up. Uh, you know, I thought we could talk maybe a little bit about prayer. We like to talk about prayer. Um, I thought we could talk about the Eucharist maybe a little bit today since Bella had her first communion. It's just making me think about the Eucharist. How's your prayer life? You asked me this last week and I didn't have time to ask you back because I think we ran out of time. Uh, it, it's going really well. It's, it, it is um, consistent. I have been uh, more intentional about trying to uh, involve contemplative prayer into my prayer life. So that's always good. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've had... You know, Haley and I have a, a strong prayer life together, which is was really good. Uh, things are going well thus far. How much does Haley's prayer life affect you? Do you think Haley's prayer life affects me? Mm -hmm. How much of it? Uh, I mean, obviously it's obviously it's going to affect you a lot. But yeah, you know, like can you tell in your life? So any changes in her prayer life? Well. So I, I'm not sure about that, but I know that, you know, women have this intuition whenever they see their loved ones and they realize that they're stressed or they have, that they're, they're pushed to the max or something that was bothering, bothering them. Yeah. Um, and Haley's really good at, at being in tune with that. And I don't find out till later that she'd been praying about the, you know, whatever it is that I was stressed about or like trying to get through or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that's something that I always try, you know, I always try to appreciate in her and tell her thank you for for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when we both realize that our prayer life may either be struggling or that we need to make sure we get to confession is when we just continually feel like that everything is in chaos. Yeah. Uh, when I feel like that I'm a little short or snappy or uh, I get angry quicker and I don't, I'm not an angry guy, but my patience is running thin. Mm -hmm. Um, and when, when she feels overwhelmed sometimes and and that's when that's when I have kind of the shortest views is if I, if the kids are wearing out lady Pamela, Mm -hmm. then I get even more. Yeah. yeah. Like Uh, my tolerance, my tolerance level goes down for, you know, for any bad behavior. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Uh, that, that is a cue for me as a father to say this weekend, we are going to confession. Um, you know, we typically try to go. This is something I'm bad at. This is like something I'm really bad at. We typically like we, organizing confession for the family. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll be better at it once my kids actually start going to confession. I doubt it. I mean, if I'm not good at it now, why would I be good at it then? I need to just make a change now. It's it'd be easier. Yeah. Um, I even have it on the calendar, and that really? still does not help me very much. Well, yeah. So so we typically try to go once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Luke can go to Luke. Jude's going to be receiving his first confession in, in, in uh, the Eucharist probably the end of this year. Uh huh. Um, and so is that you already scheduling it? You mean Jude? I'm sorry. Did I say Luke? I meant Jude. Yes. Thank you, Luke. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Juan. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Luke. Um, yeah. So so Jude will be my second oldest. Will be receiving uh, first uh, confession reconciliation in, in the Eucharist. So yes, I mean, you have to have a schedule, and so that, that's something that I that that we do. We try to do it once a month. However, in our house, if things start getting chaotic, it's like, listen, this uh, this Sunday before Mass, we are getting to Mass early to go to confession. Mm-hmm. That means we will be there thirty minutes before Mass starts to make sure that we we go to confession. Yeah, uh, that typically is a good sign for me. That that is tough to do before Mass because. You do have to get there, like if especially if the whole family is going to go. You have to get there before anybody else. You have to be the first ones. That's why you just thirty minutes. Yeah. Shoot for thirty minutes. Yeah. Just always like thirty minutes before him. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you this though: how how do you make like what are your thoughts on just your decision making process for moral things that come up in your life? Like, so something happens, you're trying to discern. Uh, is this a good thing for my family? Is this a bad thing for my family? Or good thing for me, bad thing for me? I'm curious. You're very good at looking at something, uh, a situation, kind of pulling yourself back and assessing all angles of the situation mm-hmm. uh, to d- to come up with an outcome, you know, uh, yeah, a decision. Th- you're, you're better at that than I am. I, th- I'm- I think I can make decisions fairly quickly most of the time. Uh, if it's a moral question, then it's a really usually a very easy decision. You know, if it's if something moral is at stake, then you're going to take. We're just going to take the moral, the moral choice. You know, um, those. I think that's easy. That what gets hard is you know when you're trying to make decide which is the better choice. You know, you're presented with two good options. That, that's when it gets gets really hard. Um, and sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's literally well, which one's easier? And that's, I mean, and that's not necessarily bad if you cannot. If you're looking at these and I say, these are both good, 
and I, one does not appear to be better than the other one. Why not pick the easier one? You know, if that's going to involve less transition for your family, uh, a smoother, you know, like decision, whatever. Uh, I would rather take something, if two things are just as good, I'd rather implement one that's easier than the other, right? Because now I can take a good more assuredly. Um, it's not, it's not like, I mean, why would you pick the harder one? For sanctification. Well, but there's no, there's I mean, no more like good what, in it. I mean, if, if, well, if I mean, both, if, if you're both offering decisions, up the, the, the difficulty, yeah. I mean, the, uh, you know, that's what like Jose if, Maria Escriva says and right. Like, and if it's something Saint that's personal, if it's personal, like, okay, Hey, the cho the dishes and the trash need to be taken out. You need to do the dishes and the trash both need to be taken out tonight. Honey, I'll do the dishes. You take, you know, like if you want to take out the trash, I'll do the dishes, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously the dishes are way worse. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. But when it involves like your family, mm -hmm. you know, just to assure a peaceful family life, mm -hmm. Sometimes take the easier choice. That's a that's not hard to do, um, and it's not bad. Just you know, just because it's easy is not doesn't mean it's bad. So a lot of times, that's what I'll do. But I don't know. It's all situational. I can't really think of a good example of something I've done recently. I think you're a lot better at uh, being able to see different angles of the situation and assessing them than I am. I typically when I when I'm confronted with a situation, I I jump to the conclusion that I think is the best. And I run. I just I just start going. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a doer typically, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, um, and so I, I I don't even think about even in my leadership classes that I used to take at, at Bishop Kelly at high school. You know, the leadership classes would teach you here's the situation before you act. Start thinking like what are the what are the options of how to do something right. Uh, you, you know, and typically I honestly, I don't, don't stop and think about other options. I think of, this is the one I think is good. I'm moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, which is, which often is good. Sometimes, sometimes it that's, depends on how your, how your conscience, is you know, I mean, and, it just depends because sometimes you can be arrested by thinking, mm -hmm. you know, so prudence, prudence, I think lends itself towards action most of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's different, we've talked about this before, there's different elements of what is a prudent decision? Well, it needs, you need to have, be well thought out. Mm -hmm. And then once you've thought about it and made a decision, you do it. You go. I mean, so without that jump to action that you are very good at, it's not prudent. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't be prudent. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. But thank you. I do appreciate, do appreciate what you said. Was well, true. So um, I was thinking about the Eucharist today, just watching. That's good. Watching um, my my goddaughter Bella receive her first communion, and it's just like one of those things that is just crazy. Uh, the reality behind the Eucharist, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I know. We've all you thought thought about it a hundred times probably, but then you actually sit there and think about it again. Mm -hmm. And just the, like, how it's, how is that even possible that, you know, here is God. Yeah. That you're welcoming the divine into your, and, and into, into your you body. Have this op opportunity to receive him like that. Um, and what a gift that he just comes to us. He's ever present. What you is know? the divinization process? Like, what is that called? Isn't there a specific word for the divinization mm -hmm. process? Yeah. I can't remember. Divinization is one of the words. Yeah. There is another word. There is a better word. 
You know what I was trying to think of? We had this uh, feast the other day, the beheading of St. John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. I think it was last weekend. And I was there's a, a word for it, the recapitulation? No. Decapitulation? Mean, Recapitulation. That would be like reliving the history. That would be like to re, put his head back on. That would be the recapitulation. But it's something like that. It has a sweet name, and I didn't. Maybe the capitulation. The history of. Yeah. Well, caput is head in Latin. The beheading. Yeah. Let's keep talking about the Eucharist when we get back. Okay. Do you feel like God is calling you to go on a pilgrimage? Well, for the last 34 years, Select International Tours has been leading pilgrimages to holy sites all over the world. And you want when you go on pilgrimages, Dave. You want to make sure you have the great, the best hotels. You're touring with the best guides, and every detail has been addressed. And that's exactly what you're getting with Select International Tours. So, for more information, go to their brand new website, selectinternationaltours.com. They have been a sponsor of the Catholic Man Show for a long time now. Even during the COVID pandemic, they were still sponsoring our show. A lot of other tour companies were really shutting down. These guys were consistent. So go to selectinternationaltours.com to find out more information about all the great pilgrimages they offer all over the world. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're having random Catholic rambling today. A title I came up with randomly. Thank you very much. So, Adam, you are a fan of Eucharistic Adoration, is that correct? This is correct. Yes. This you is are correct. a fan. I am a fan, yes. So, the pros and cons, you... Mostly, I, I have mostly in the pro con, have, pro column. Yes, pro con. That's a so, trick. I'm not sure. Yes, I'm a big fan. Okay, what do you like about it? Uh, Just in your own words. And this is this I, is this is not like a legal. Uh, I get to interview. spend time with Jesus. Yeah, that's that's what I like about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like the intimacy mm-hmm. of and the silence. It it orients yourself to the high to a higher good in adoration because. Hopefully, the Adoration Chapel is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the monstrance uh, points towards that there is something special there, which is obviously true, mm-hmm. which is Jesus. Um, so, I'm a big fan. I like it when Mass goes straight into Adoration. Like, to me, that is... And when Adoration leads up to Mass. I like both of those situations. The coolest thing about, uh, that I've ever seen regarding adoration that I've I've only seen once and I don't know the legalities I don't know canon law so don't come after me uh, but they probably will but um, one of our deacons when he passed away here in, in the Diocese of Tulsa he requested that his body be in front of the Eucharist until his until his funeral mm-hmm. so his body quote-unquote was worshiping the Eucharist 
even without his soul there. Yeah. Which I thought was... Well, uh, I, don't, I don't think his... I, don't I mean, think, it, I don't think that or, part is accurate. Well, but, maybe it, it was in its presence. Yeah. Yeah. Because obviously... Your body it can't be worshipping. It wasn't at worship. Right. right. But it, it was in the presence. Yeah. Which is kind of cool because you think about it like, he's probably having his... He has a particular judgment. He's, you know, we hope that he's in, in heaven. Yeah. Um, and if, he, if he is in heaven at that moment, then his soul is in heaven. His body is in front of Jesus... Souls in front of the beatific vision. His body is in front of our Lord. It's yeah. kind of cool. I mean, there's something uh, beautiful in the, even the desire to have that. You know, the fact right. that you would the, request that. And thought, think about it. Like, right, have it. you thought about it. And when I die, I want my body to stay in front of the Eucharist. You know, like, I think that really there's a lot of grace in just the intention, mm-hmm. you know, behind that. But also, yeah, like, what a beautiful tradition. I'm surprised that's not more common. I don't know if it is. Yeah, I don't know. I thought may, it was awesome. Maybe though. it is. Maybe it is common. But you're right. I've only, um, I've only heard of it happening in that in that one instance. Mm-hmm. But like, what a just you know for him, Deacon John Donnelly, uh, a testament to the life he lived. I think without a you without know, a doubt is like sure. final act. In fact, I should do that. I'm gonna do that. I've asked Haley like, listen, when I die, I'd like you to. Ha- I'm gonna, tell, I'm gonna tell Pamela because I've already told her that I, I that I have to die first. So so I've told I mean, that with Haley as well. I, and yeah. I, I I bound her under holy obedience to not die before me. Nice. So if she does, hmm. it's not gonna be good. Nice. Because that would be disobedient. Mm-hmm. So what what do you like about adoration the most? Uh, I also like those things. The quiet. Um, there are just times where. Okay, what I like about adoration also is having it part of my regular prayer routine every week. You know, that it's scheduled. I have um, reserved time with the Lord. You know, um, holiness, the word sanctus, means to set aside. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that something would have been regarded as holy because it was removed from secular use. Like, you know, this bowl is a holy bowl. Well, why? Because you're not allowed to use it anymore, and it's only for God. This bowl's whole purpose is only in the service of our Lord. That's why... To glorify our Lord, yeah. That's why this bowl is a holy bowl, because it's been set aside for God, Mm -hmm. okay? And so um, when you have something scheduled, it's good to go to adoration like, oh, well, you know, I go when I can. And some people just, their their schedule is not such that it allows for a consistent time, Mm -hmm. right? But I think most people actually can do it um, just from a scheduling standpoint. So when you do that, it's like, boom, now you too have set aside something for our Lord. Um, and so even if you go to adoration and you don't feel like, oh, man, you know, I didn't get anything out of it today. You did. Um, I mean, you always do. There's no, there, It's never happened where someone and went, it's also, went to adoration it's with a good heart. It's not about like how much, can, what, you know, go to get something that's out right. of it. That's right. Yeah, you're, you're you're exactly right. That's if you're judging just it, not even the right attitude. Right. If you're judging it by, oh, I got something out of it, then that is like an imperfect way of looking at it. It's a, yeah, it's an imperfect understanding. Yeah. You're right. But still, I think that's kind of a common, sure. you know, like, oh, because you might think maybe I'm, you know, I'm just not uh, bringing my whole self, you know, I'm allowing myself to be distracted here in adoration. You know, the, the Lord wants greater things for me. I'm just not allowing because... You know, I'm not really like fully participating in this hour with him. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not truly you know, I coming think, without. I think Aquinas says that if you allow yourself intentionally to be distracted in prayer, it, it, it can be a venial sin. I could see that. 
Like if you intentionally allow yourself to be distracted in prayer. So it's not like, oh, I got distracted. No, no, no. It's like you got distracted. You recognize I'm distracted, but I like this thought, you know, that's running through my head. I'm going to keep running this thought through my head while I'm supposed to be praying. Um, yeah. That kind of reminds me of what we talked about the other day. Injust- it's just unjust. About uh, avoiding the temptation to mm-hmm. sin, you know, and if you like allow Meditate yourself to, to think about like, it, Ooh, I'm just going to let it tempt me for a while. Right. You know, knowing you're not going to do it, but I do like the temptation, you know. Right. Uh, if that's, if you're doing it on purpose, I do think that that is, uh, you're, you're in the realm of sin now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like that, but yeah. So like when you have that regular adoration hour, it does, it's like sanctifying your day. At least that one hour, whether you feel like it's holy or or you don't, mm-hmm. it is set aside for the Lord. Um, yeah, and one way to to really think about when you're walking into adoration, you know, because you know Christ is outside, you know, the, God is outside of time. Um, but as you're walking in, if you think, you know, what for the last two thousand years, for all of eternity. God has waited for this moment to spend time with me in mm. adoration. Yeah, bro. Uh, you know, like, he has waited for me Yeah, to spend this unique time together, to grow together in relationship, the creator, you know, and the created together in this moment. Um, totally, dude. Is, is just, to me, that sets... I try to think of that every time I walk into adoration, and that kind of sets the tone for me, knowing that Christ has been waiting for me for this moment for all of eternity. Dude, that makes, like, being late to adoration sound really bad. Like, he's been waiting for 2,000 years, and you were late. (laughs) You were late. Can you believe, like, what were you doing? (laughs) Probably nothing important. You know what I mean? Like, what could you have been doing? But I think it just goes to show, like, how much Christ continually is just drawing us towards him. He's given us so many different options and uh, uh, ways of being able to meet us yeah. and, and inter, like interject into our lives, uh, you know, and when he does, it's just these huge grace bombs that happen, and we don't realize, kind of like what we were saying earlier, you don't realize, it's not like you're, you're trying to get something out of it, you don't realize the amount of grace that's being poured out, you don't understand, you, you can't see it on this side of the veil, mm-hmm. uh, but Christ has been waiting for it for all of eternity, not just yeah. for the last 2,000 years, for all of eternity, Right, you know, because yeah. he, before you, before you were in the womb, he formed you. He knew you, mm-hmm. you know. So he knew at this time, in this, you know, this specific time in place in this in the world that he created, he was going to have one on on one time with you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think about that. Like, like to me, that gives you chill. Like to me, it gives me chills oh, thinking about it. Totally. And you know, I think one of the one of the best things that I have done as a father is bringing my kids to adoration regularly. Mm. I'm really glad you brought this up because I think you have a really good system. Why don't you tell the system? So you, do? Uh, you know, uh, so far it's just with my girls. We have daddy daughter dates. So on the first, I just do it on the first, my first adoration day of the month. So the first Monday of the month, I take it's a rotation. You know, I just take one of the girls with me to adoration, and then we go. So first we go to adoration, which I have at five o'clock. So it works really well for this system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at, then we go to dinner. We always get dessert at dinner. Okay. That's a rule, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, but well, I go anywhere they want to go. And, you know, when you're three, four, and six, 
You don't really know that many places. Right. Okay? Chick-fil-A is, is, is You know what? The They've list. never asked to go to Chick-fil-A. Brahms is really close. So we go to Brahms a lot, which is great because I got to like introduce them to the banana split. Oh, yeah. Okay. And Sundays blew their mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Uh, they got this big picture of a banana split on the wall. It's like, Elizabeth, we're going to get one of those. Yeah. <laughs> we are. <It's> like, yes. <laughs> it's going to be huge. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be crazy. Gonna, and we're going to eat it. Do you want cherries on top? We're going to get cherries. Yeah. You want the marshmallow stuff? Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to get all the stuff. Yeah. So anyway, we just do that, and they look forward to it. They'll ask me, like, oh, whose turn is it on the next daddy-daughter date? I'll be like, well, it's Mary's turn. Like, okay, okay. But then after Mary, it's your turn. Okay. Yes. I mean, it's one of the things they look forward to the most, but it's so important. Uh, do they like it because we go to adoration? No, they don't. No. Uh, but... The first thing we do is we go to adoration. And I have like a backpack with books for them to read. Because, you know, they're, uh, like I said, three, four, and six. Mm -hmm. Their attention span, a whole hour, is very difficult. Sure. Um, So they will read the books that are in the backpack. You know, just things that are quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, But that really is one of the best things I've done as a father. uh, Establishing that. And, you know, we start with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it prepares them to be able to to learn how to be quiet yeah and they get to see me doing it loving our lord right right? because i'm there kneeling for a long long time of that hour right sure when we uh if you're listening to this on the radio go check out our podcast because maybe on the uh on the podcast we should talk about like i just read the hobbit Uh, let's talk about it yeah i want to get your thoughts okay we're on the lord's team the winning side so raise your glass and cheers to jesus Okay, so as most of you know, I have not read The Lord of the Rings. We've talked about that. I mean, this is pretty well established. This is very well established. I have started, I've decided to go ahead and audiobook them. Great idea. That's what I would do. But that's how I read everything, so. Well, actually, you know what? That is the one book I'm actually reading. Very, very, (laughs) very slowly. I'm like a third of the way through... uh, Fellowship, Fellowship of the Ring. I only read on Sundays. I'm a Lord of the Ring fan. Yeah, because you're like I knew that, right? A Tolkienite. Yeah, Uh, is that what they call him? I don't know. I made that up. I'm sure. I'm I'm sure I'm not the first one to make that up. But uh, I only read it on Sundays. Yeah, during quiet leisure. Yeah, it's like a leisure. I sit down and like read the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, and it's like wow, I forgot all the stuff that's not in the movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff. Yeah. So I read it, or I listened to it on audiobook. Mm-hmm. It was grueling at first. So there's a lot of things that I we could talk about. I don't want to like bore people because everybody else is right. I'm the only one, right? This is like er- you're not the only one. I'm like one of the only people in this whole world. It's a, it's a you're a minority, right? Um, when I when I listen to audiobooks that are, that are not captivating to me, they drag on for a lot longer because I find other things to do besides listening to audiobooks. Sure. The first, so it's a, it's like 10 and a half hours long. Okay. Okay. Not too bad. I mean, that's kind no. of like a, a, no, actually no, that's, a shorter that, audio book. Yeah, that's really. very, yeah. very, very manageable. Uh, the first four hours took me about four and a half months. No kidding. Be, and I almost quit like three different times. Wow. I almost said, like, you know what? I just don't care. Right. Like, I tried. I gave it a good, honest try. I think it's a stupid story. Yeah. I, there, like, I said it. Heck, I think it's stupid. I just don't care, uh-huh. you know? Um, but I, 
uh, I just decided no. I'm good. I'm just going to truck through this just so that way I could. The in the second half of the book I think is way better than the first half of the yeah, book. Yeah, it's like a battle. Yeah. Um, and so you know, Bilbo being able to, to he starts off yes. all this yes. uh, just a little bit sure. Uh, it starts off you know obviously timid and self conscious and you know uh, so uh, unassured of himself. And didn't think that he was, you know, geared up to this heroic calling. And then, you know, as time I mean, goes... He didn't even know what he was getting into, kind of, you know, in right. the beginning. And he just takes these little steps of... So, it, it, I understand the whole this whole virtue thing, right? Because it's this whole thing of understanding, like, I'm not worthy, you know, I the self-deprecating almost. Like, I just want to be by myself. Like, don't ask me to do anything. Let me do my own thing. Right. And, and I'll live my life. And it's very anti-community almost. But... Uh, he doesn't think he's worthy of everything, and every time he does these little things that help him grow in virtue, help him grow in fortitude, help him grow in prudence and yeah, courage. And cur- yeah, fortitude. Big time. That's why I said fortitude. Um, yeah. yeah, courage. Is you know, fortitude. and as as he continues to do these things, uh, he grows further, and he stops thinking about himself as much. He's a lot, like a lot less self centered and more thought about uh, others. I like the idea of also the uh, goblins. Yeah, the, whatever they are, the goblins or whatever, like that hoard, uh, the orcs. gold. I'm sorry. The orcs. No. Uh, the goblins and the orcs are different. Um, the goblin, you know, that the, they hoard the gold so much that they would rather die of of starvation than leave their gold and worry of them, uh, you know, getting stolen or something. So they're so focused on the gold that they're. Uh, rejecting and neglecting their duties and their their self, uh, you know, they're they're taking care of themselves. Yeah. Uh, and what's he, what's what do they call that? Like dragon's disease or something in the book where anybody like can happen to anybody, and it kind of happens to Oakshield, Oakenshield, Thorin, Thorin Oakenshield. Is that his name? Uh, I don't know Oakenshield, but Isn't Thorin. It? Yeah, I think his Thorin last... dies at the very end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah, uh, Thorn dies. I think his name's Oakenshield. Thorn Oakenshield. Okay. Uh, so. And so you know he's a good king, and I think that's a good analogy. And I don't know. I haven't like looked any of this up. I honestly don't think that when Tolkien set out to write these books, he was thinking like, I want to write a book with this message. With the I think that no, he was a storyteller. He, he was just such a genius creative storyteller yeah that those he's on those record for things, not liking anal- uh, uh, allegories oh he yeah he i mean right because I c.s mean, lewis he, was he didn't a, like narnia was because, a friend of his right and that's he said like yeah i don't really like narnia because i think allegories are lame right and for the record i love the narnia books um but i think he was just writing a story and these things just like because he was such a good storyteller um they it's just weird, came though. out. He like breaks so many of the like author like writing 101, right? He breaks all these molds. You're not supposed to have characters that that sound close together, right? Because then they become confusing. But he has right. all these characters that yeah. all sound Goin and Loin and yeah. Boyne, you know. Yeah, yeah, they have all these same characters, you know, all uh all the elves are all it's basically all all the same name basically. Super confusing. I don't remember which one this is from the other one. Right. Yeah. And which is what you're not supposed to do is when you're writing fiction. Yeah. Because you could make it anything you want. Right. Um, I, I recognize his, you know, more so now, 
even without I have not read obviously Lord of the Rings. Uh-huh. I can recognize uh, his genius in in being able to sto- have a story like being able to storytell. The problem is is that our modern minds were not used to being like just being drudged through all of these descriptions. It's uh, yeah, it's slow. And honestly, The Hobbit is um, faster than. Uh, I mean, the, the, right. The That's trilogy, why I'm really getting I'm, the, the trilogy I'm, is slower, but it's also good. Like at every turn, like oh, like in the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring, you know when? No, I don't know. Well, when Frodo is just setting out, he kind of like oh, he meets this person, and then he meets this person, and they really have nothing to do with, with the, the broader story. I mean, nothing to do with the end, right? Um, they're just like people he meets, but they're beautiful. Like in and of themselves, mm-hmm. it's like wow, what a beautiful little uh, short. If you like, kind of view it as a short story, um, just like oh, this yeah, like those couple chapters where he was with that person, like that was really really nice in and of itself. But like what I was gonna say with the, I think it's called Dragon's Disease. I forget what he calls it, but you know, like you get obsessed with gold, mm-hmm. um, which happens to Thorn. Um, I just thought that think that's a really beautiful analogy for. I'm glad. I'm glad that he realized it though before he died, and yes. asked for forgiveness. Oh yes, absolutely, and gave his life mm-hmm. like a man, or like a hop, or Hobbit. like a little a elf. dwarf, dwarf, dwarf. Yeah, like a dwarf man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, here is the gold, which is a a good, uh, a glory due to a king. Mm-hmm. You know, he is the king. He's the rightful king under the mountain. Mm-hmm. And the gold belongs to him. It's his gold. It's part of the glory that is due to a king. But yet, when you have your desi- your desires are disordered, it mm-hmm. can create even the things that are good and rightful to belong to you. Mm-hmm. Um, those things can still, when not properly, uh, oh, when the, when not disciplined, you know, sort of like a undisciplined appetite for something, uh, it can become your master. Even something that belongs to you, and you know, like that happens so many, so much today. Money specifically, uh, sure, it's so easy. I got to tell you though, as I was reading it or listening to it, mm-hmm. you know, I've heard all, it, Sam Guzman, our buddy, said like, "Oh, I just read that to my kids; they loved it." Uh, you know, I hear Scott, our buddy Scott Bass, said, "Oh, I just, you know, I read it to my kids; they loved it." As I was listening to it, I was thinking, "There's no way my kids would like like." Could, could focus on this yeah there's just no way like either these kids are really really you know captivated uh, somehow uh-huh. but but i i just know there's no way my kids could elizabeth will sit and listen to absolutely she just gets sucked in to a story i'm not kidding like when i sit there and read at the table i'll look over and she's just like glued her eyes are like wide. Oh yeah, and she's just she, glued on to me. Her, her eyes are always wide, though. Yeah, she is very expressive, right? <laughs> but she'll just be sitting there, like she tells stories hanging, with her eyes, hanging on you know, like every word that I'm saying. Uh, Mar- I don't know how Mary like, is not so much that way. She'll sit and listen and and enjoy the story, but she's not captivated by stories the way Elizabeth is. I don't know how. I don't know how the your your also, kids do it. I don't like, think that uh, those books. I mean, depends on the kid. Like Elizabeth, she would sit there and listen. And I love that story. She would understand it. Uh huh. She, I mean, she when she listens to, you know how like you see kids watching a movie, and they're just like totally zombied into the movie. 
you know, or even adults, you know, their eyes are wide open, they're not blinking, and they're hardly, they're not even aware of other things in the room. They're just like sucked into the movie. That's the way she gets when you read a story to her, right? Uh, but anyway, most kids don't do that. But you need, uh, it does take a lot of attention to detail. For a story like that, it's a complex story. And certainly The Lord of the Rings is even more so. Uh, so I got to tell you, though, overall, if I had to, like, give it an A, A, B, C, D, or F. Or out of 10. Do it, like, okay. out uh, of 10. Five and a half. Really? I thought it was okay. I thought the the ending was a lot. The second half was a lot better than the first half. Uh-huh. Um, I, like I just, I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, there's, there's, for you, it's also you've got that problem where it's hyped up so much. You know? Right. I mean, well, you know, I thought there's like there's cool parts. You know, when he when when Baggins kills the the spider and he gets to name his sword. He, you know, and that that's a monumental moment. And I mean, there there are monumental moments that you're like, oh, good, and you uh, you can catch yourself like, like what root, is going to happen, like rooting for right. Bilbo Baggins, yeah. you know, to, to to do the right thing, um, even though you know he's like having this internal struggle. Dude, when they're in Mirkwood, and like they're falling asleep and falling into the river and stuff, like that was stressful for me. Yeah, but I mean, it wasn't like to me, it just wasn't like a. I'm surprised I'm remembering these Cap- people's names and like the names captivating. Of the- like it wasn't like just on, on pins and needles, or I didn't consider it. I don't know five and a half is what I would give it. Maybe well, I would, pe- maybe six. Just when people talk about the Lord of the Rings, they don't talk about it the way they do because of the Hobbit. They talk about it because, because of, the of the trilogy. The trilogy, right? Okay. Um, and then like uh, once okay. you're done, I'm gonna do it. Once you're done, like yeah, give it some time. Yeah. Let it let it rest. Yeah. Um, but there's like, and it's not like, and you've said this to me before, and it's like, it's just not true. Like, uh, I like stories. Like, I like novels. I like fiction books. You do? Yeah. Uh, I just. So, wh- like, what's another one that you've read that you just like really liked? Uh, Where the Crawdads Sing is you one like that, that I, I, haven't that, re- I haven't read that. that, that I, Andrew Pudawa. That's Andrew what he, Pudawa told he me said. to. And uh, it's not one that you would read with your your children. Uh, it's not it's not a children book like uh-huh. to read out loud to your children because there's um, profanity. No, it's not really p- profanity, but there's like a, a, a part where there was situations, si- there's yeah, situations. sexual situ- situations. Yeah. Um, so take that. I'll tell you, I'm reading this book right now. It's not okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, no, you finish. I thought you were done. I, I'm just saying, like it's it's not something where you should like not read it because you're worried about yeah sexual. Just not for your kids. It's just not for your kids, but it was a really good book, um, and it was very captivating. I I I listened to the whole thing in about a thirty six hour period, and it was a fourteen hour I think thirteen fourteen hour audiobook. Mm, that you, you your family was gone, right? So that yeah. should be explained. Otherwise, people might be like, "Wow, Adam, that was intemperate of you." Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. Your family was gone on va- on uh, vacation, visiting family. Vin- yeah, so you were a bachelor right. for a few days. Yeah, but. Uh, I finally got through The Hobbit, mm-hmm. um, listening to it, and was like, okay, good. I got to take a break from this. I suspect someday, because, you know, like, I started off on this audiobook adventure, like, almost probably two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. um, and realized... You use Audible? I do. Yeah. Um, I realized that my... Uh, I had to first go back, and it, it, like, for a year, all I did was listen to kids' books. Mm-hmm. just to kind of um, 
form my imagination again. I realized mm-hmm. that this, like, as a part of my education, I was uneducated in li- in fiction because mm-hmm. I also used to have this attitude, which you and I both used to feel this way, which we don't now. That like, if I'm going to read a book, it's not going to be f- fiction. I'm not going to waste my day reading fairy tales, okay? Because mm-hmm. I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. I'm a grown. I'm I'm a man, mm-hmm. and like, that's dumb. Mm-hmm. Well. Now I realize that, like, no, I was dumb, actually, and that there's actually a lot of value in these great works of literature and that there's a yes. lot to be gleaned from them. So I think that maybe someday you'll go back and read them again. Sure. S- sort of like the first time I had Lefroig. I said, that's disgusting. I'm never going to do that again. And anybody who likes this is an idiot. Mm-hmm. And then I tried it again, like, a year later after really drinking a lot of scotch, and I said, that's delicious! Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, ho- I hope so. I hope so. Remember, I brought that up. I said, I think you're jumping too early with something like that. And they, and, and we talk about how we went through this this trip. It was like, it gets used, you have to get used to talking, to hearing all this stuff that are, don't seem essential or don't seem like, but they're just part of developing what how your body and your mind are used to seeing without seeing. Yeah, so, I mean, and, and it, it modern writers trivial. don't do that, yeah, right? So, yeah. so modern writers don't do that. It, you know, the microwave society that will give me the meat, give it to me now, that yeah. way I can move on. Um, you know, and they used to not do that. And so, as a modern person listening to or reading or re- listening to non-modern writers, it is difficult. Yeah, I just finished uh, Les Misérables, and it was at some points just like. For, for four hours, like in the middle of the book, uh, Hugo, Vic, Victor Hugo, he goes on for like four hours all about the Battle of Waterloo. It has no, absolutely not, well, it's like he's actually kind of building context. But that was a long four hours for, for some context, you know, like mm-hmm. you could have done that in about 15 minutes. Right. Really well. Right. You know, um, but that was just the way people used to write, you know, and... I think that just because I don't understand it, I, there is actually a beauty in it that I don't understand. And I know I don't understand it. I would never write that way. Yeah, um, me either. But they all did it. I think there's like definitely a reason. I'm reading a book right now called The Hiding Place. Oh, yeah. It's actually it's a nonfiction book. Yeah. Um, it is so good. So uh, Pamela read it oh several months ago for the... The well read, the well read mom. Uh, I, think, like I think I've read that book. Group I just, that she's in. I just can't think of. I'm pretty positive. Yeah, I've Jones read that in the book. group too. Yeah, yeah. Jones in that group. Um, and so we were going to go to the Netherlands here in a few weeks. Oh, the not? Netherlands just closed. Oh. Uh, so I was reading this book because it takes place in in the Netherlands. Hey, so does that mean you can do the MC job for? No, we're going to Costa Rica. Oh, you are. Yeah. Um. So anyway, but it's so. It's it, basically it's about these two sisters who are spinsters living with their dad. They have this watch repair shop in Holland, and uh, the Germans invade during World War II. And basically, this lovely Holland country becomes Nazi, you know, overnight. And they're trying to run the underground. And some of the things, like especially that her dad says, just some of the like things he says in this book are incredible. Just like earth shattering like wow what a thing to say mm-hmm. it, it, it's an amazing response mm-hmm. you know uh i'm about halfway through i've already seen the movie 
There's actually a movie. It's actually pretty good, and it follows the book pretty well. But maybe that maybe I saw the movie. That's why uh, I'm thinking of it. Super good book. It's about ten hours. You know, not very long. Okay. What else you got? What What are you gonna? Re- You're reading the Iliad now. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm listening to the Iliad. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I say reading. I just say reading. But I'm actually reading other books. Okay. So. Um, yeah, so I'm listening to the Iliad right now. How, how's it going? Uh, so I got through, I, I'm on book four. Book two was brutal. It's 50 minutes of just basically telling you uh, kings, their location, and their you know, alliance, you know, their allegiance to whoever. Yeah. You know, so it's like 50 minutes of all these different people. And so I, I went and I talked to Deacon Garlic about this because he's, you know, a great books professor yeah. and, or like tutor and so he's read it and he's very well read very well read and educated about what he's read right and so i asked him about it you know i was like hey is this like important is this something that i should be skip this well i already already listened to it all right Right. and so i I asked him but my my question was like could you could i tell you anything that i listened to like could i regurgitate any of it no no i couldn't so i asked him like is this something that i need to like go back and listen to again and like be still and like listen and like almost take notes so that way I know exactly what's going on. Like, is this imperative to the story? And he said no. And he said no. He said the reason why, it, it, like, he said it's obviously going to be better if you do um, in the long run. But the reason why is basically he's going through all of Greece, like, going through and telling him, like, listen, your king and your army is actually in allegiance with this person. So everybody over here that you think. You know, you, you may be on your own. Actually, you're with this alliance. And he was, like, telling all the, the different countries and all the different people and lands, like, you guys are all together. Uh, which, it would be news to a lot of the people who don't, you know, there's no internet, there's no newspapers, there's no, you know, there's no way of knowing this mm-hmm. other than the book. And so, as you're sitting there reading this or listening to it, whatever it is, and you're like waiting to see is is Tulsa on the list? Are we are we part of this whole group or yeah, not? Who are, which side are we fighting on? Right, you know. So the whole purpose of this is like so that way everybody understands at this time period where everybody is, where everybody stands. Does it matter for us? No, not right. really. So I was like very confused. But it, the thing is, but it's part of the story. But it's part of the story, and you can't leave it out. Right, and so. I was very confused. I was really worried because it was like, that was brutal. That was tough to get through. It was another one of those, like, I almost quit on this. 50 minutes. So you're either, uh, Dr. Um, Malash told me that you're either an Iliad, an Iliad or an Odyssey, person Odyssey or an Odyssey guy. person. Right. And personally, I think if you're an Iliad person, you're just weird. The Odyssey is totally better. Everybody says this. I don't so know. So I'm ready like, to get... I'm who, re- thinks, who thinks the Iliad is better? What's better about the Iliad? I'm not putting down the Iliad. The Odyssey is just really great. And I'm re- I'm I am ready to get to the to the Odyssey, you yeah. know. I, it, I I got both of them right, so I'm going to listen to the Iliad, listen to the Odyssey, and go. Anyway, you know what's disappointing? The Trojan horse. It's not even in the Iliad. It's in the Odyssey, though, right? Yeah, it's in the yeah. Odyssey. But still, mm-hmm. I got to the end of the Iliad, and it's like, what? <laughs> they didn't even do the thing. <laughs> the war's not even over. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, I think that's good. I think that's good. Thank you, Juan.